understand more and get spiritually on the same platform with Jesus. And, and this happens only when we all commit to grow spiritually. I think things don't happen by chance. I think they happen when we are intentional with our uh, with the things that we want to do in life. Some of us, we're intentional of finding a man or finding a wife or, or getting this job or accomplishing these goals, and they have to be intentional to get to it. And so it's the same thing in our spiritual walk. In order for us to grow spiritually, in order for us to get closer to God, we're going to have to be intentional about it. We need to stop making the excuses, stop running around, right, and kind of get to where God wants us to get to, but it has to be purposeful and it has to be intentional. There has to be a commitment. And so today on this first Sunday of 2022, we're kicking off a brand new series titled Like and Subscribe. Listen, you know, this world is full of, of sampling and scrolling. How many of you love Costco? You were disappointed, right, when COVID came and they stopped, you know, giving you samples. Right? You went up and down the aisles just to see what kind of samples they had. Right? It's church. You can tell the truth. Right? We live in a world of sampling and scrolling, but everywhere that we look, someone's asking us to like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, literally and figuratively, right? Obviously, we do what most people do. We ignore them. We ignore them and we browse anonymously. We hold relationships loosely and confirm plans with a maybe or a, yeah, yeah, let me, that sounds really good. Let me, let me, let me see. Some of you have that like in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah, let me see. Right, you give that false hope. We don't want to miss out on anything or be tied down to anyone. So we prefer to keep our options open. We admire commitment. We're just not sure the cost is, is worth it. In our culture, everything's disposable and everyone's replaceable. On New Year's and Christmas Eve, how many of you actually had disposable plates and napkins? Yeah, because nobody wants to do the dishes, right? Nobody wants to do it. So we like things that are disposable and everyone's replaceable. But if we're honest here, we don't seem to find this way of living all that fulfilling. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? And so we're going to start this brand new series with a talk on why commitment matters and why we struggle with it. Why commitment matters and why do we struggle with it? Let me ask you this. Ever had a time when you were trying to figure out what to do for New Year's Eve with your family and your friends and you, you weren't able to get a straight answer from the people you were asking? Like, hey, what are you doing for news? I don't know yet. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to call me. I got to check. I got to see. Someone said they were going to do this, but I, I don't know anything yet. And you're like, does anybody know what they're doing for New Year's? Because it matters, right? You're, it's not like you're trying to be controlling. It's that the, there are legitimate reasons on why you need to know what people are doing for New Year's, especially if you're hosting, 
right? How many people uh, are we preparing for? Are we going to have enough food? Are, are, we, are you bringing something or are we, are we buying everything? If, if that couple comes, do we need a, a sitter for their kids or and kids snacks? But if they don't, we can tell the rest of the people they can bring alcohol, but only if that guy isn't coming, right? Because if he comes and he's in recovery and we can't have alcohol, if, and if nobody's coming, we might as well not clean the house and stay in our pajamas. There's no time. There's no need to wait time getting dressed up some of you are thinking that is why i don't have parties because these are the things that go through our head and on the flip side we all know what's it like what's what, what it's like to get 17 harassing text messages hey are you coming are you coming are you coming hey are you gonna be here what time do you plan on being here right what do you think you th- are you gonna be there right and you're like oh my gosh stop stop harassing me right I haven't even talked to my husband yet about what we're doing. And the more that they push, the more you're like, okay, now you're sounding desperate. Now I don't even know if I want to go to your party, right? Because I'm going to be the only one there, right? And so what do we happens? We, we end up with a lot of maybes, right? Maybes, which is often code for, I'm waiting to see if something better with someone better pops up. Uh, you don't have to admit to that this morning, but I know it's true. This is so annoying, but not necessarily devastating, except in certain cases. You see, people in our culture haven't been, uh, people in our culture have long been anti-commitment, Right? But the last couple of years have made it worse. The last few years have made it worse because there's a whole new category of unknowns. Is someone I know going to have COVID? What sort of public protocols are going to be in place? Is that business still going to be there when everything opens up? Are my kids going to be able to go to school? Are they going to be stuck or going to be stuck at home? Am I still going to have a job? From where am I going to be working this job? Am I going to be doing part of someone else's job because now they have COVID and they're in quarantine? Do I even want to get together with those people because they're just going to be talking about politics and I don't have this energy and those are the people that I do like. Imagine the people that I don't like. But this tendency of not committing is way, way bigger than COVID and goes way beyond social get-togethers. If you think about it, we're one of the most non-committal generations in all human history. In other words, we are one of the most flakiest people, group of people out there. I mean, we don't want to be locked into a specific job. We don't want to be locked into a specific relationship, a schedule, an opinion, or an expectation. We like to be loose. In fact, you can say the main mantra of our generation is keep your options open. Keep your options open. Sociologists call it liquid modernity. Right? Never wanting to commit to any one identity, any one place or community. Remaining liquid is a state that can adapt to any future shape. Basically, the blob. Everybody remember the blob? Fit in anything? Okay. 
The upside to this is that we feel empowered to, to make our own decisions. When we live in this liquid modernity uh, uh, lifestyle, we feel empowered to make our own decisions and are much less likely to be driven by sheer obligation. Our options are endless. And we can choose to do and be anything or go anywhere we want at any given moment, which is incredible. But it also can be a total nightmare. Truth is, all of these options don't seem to be making us any more, that much more happier. We have trouble committing to relationships. We uproot ourselves way too quickly and don't feel known or settled we don't master certain skills because we're afraid to, that they'll, be soon, they'll soon be obsolete. We don't trust anything large or organized. Our attention spans are getting a little bit shorter. We abandon a habit even before it's done long, uh, before it's done long, uh, excuse me, we abandon a habit we've even done before we even done it long enough to know if it's working the whole world is liquid. We feel like we can't rely on anyone else, and quite frankly, they, they can't rely on us. The culture that we're in tells us that this is just, this is just the way it is. Value, abstract skills that can be applied anywhere. Don't get too sentimental about anything. Keep your distance. Don't get too attached be coldly different, don't take anything too seriously, and don't be surprised when others don't either. Wow. That's the society and the culture that we live in present times. And what's crazy is that most of the people, most of the people that we have admired and looked up to and thought highly of over time didn't do things this way. That wasn't their MO, that, right? that wasn't the way they approached life. They made long-term commitments to particular places and communities, to particular causes and, and crafts and to particular institutions and people. And we admired them for doing it. But today we don't, we don't want to do it. Right? And so now the question we have is, how do we get what they got without doing what they did how do we get what they got without doing what they did and humans have always thought this way wanting to shortcut or short circuit the process one new testament uh, author assures us that long-term fulfillment can't be shortcut Right? Long-term commitments cannot be shortcut. You harvest what you plant. Right? You harvest what you plant. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 9 says, don't be, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own personal, uh, excuse me, their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. 
Amen, yes. And we kind of get that. We kind of we get that. It's not that we're never going to commit to anything ever. We're just not ready to commit now. Being a father of four lovely ladies, two of, of which are in the season of dating. <laughs> no, Sophia and Noah are not in that season, right? Well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily advocating for them to go on a date with every guy that winks and smiles at them. They have to go through a fingerprint system and get vetted, right? <laughs> of course they do. But in life, in life, there is a season where we're meant to browse, right? To try new things and new experiences, to experiment with new identities, persons, places, and things in life, to sample everything and commit to nothing. But this phase, this season of life is not meant to last forever. There comes a moment in time where we have to take a stand and be committed. Author Pete Davis calls what we're stuck in as infinite browsing mode. Infinite browsing mode. It's that thing when you're trying to pick a movie and you watch 200 trailers, but you can't decide what mood you're in, and about two hours later you finally pick one, but it's, it's too late to start it. So you end up not watching anything at all and going to sleep unsatisfied. Infinite browsing mode is that, except with everything in your life. And friends, this, this creates a problem. Maybe you don't see it that way, but I want to hopefully share some insight for you to see what this, the problems it creates. The first problem it creates, right, it, it prevents us from selecting and being satisfied with a good option. It prevents us from selecting and being satisfied with a good option. The more options we have, the more paranoid we become about picking the wrong one. And the more particular we become about what right means. I remember growing up, my mom... My mom loved coffee. She drank coffee religiously. It was one brand and one brand only. For her, it was Café Bustelo. Café Bustelo, in fact, she drank it so much that I thought it was a Puerto Rican brand. It wasn't. But it was her brand. It was simple. It came out of a jar or a, a package, right? Nothing fancy about it. She got the, the, the coffee strainer, the, the cloth one, and she poured hot milk and it poured it in. She did it twice, right? I don't know how that works. I'm not a coffee drinker, but she did it twice. And she put in a small little pot, the, the milk to boil until it spilled. Out. That's like the worst thing, trying to get that out of the pot. Anyway, and then she would make it. She put it in a cup and you had a clink, clink. And she spun it around, no sugar. I, I don't even like coffee, but the fact that it didn't have sugar, like, mom, please. And then she wanted to kiss me. Like, no. But to her, it was the right way, the only way. Today, there's an infinite 
infinite variety of beans and blends. I didn't even know until I got an adult that that little bean made the coffee. I didn't know that, right? But today there's an infinite variety of beans and blends and roast. And don't even get me started on how it's prepared and what goes in it or the ratio, right? We all know people whose day just gets jacked up if they can't get their coffee the way they want it. And then there's some of us who, you know what it's like when you need something new, right? You need something new in the house and like a toaster, for example, you need a new toaster. So you decide to do a little research before you go out and get a toaster. 40 hour, 47 hours later, he, man, you feel stuck because you've read so many reviews. You don't even know which one matches the toaster that you looked at. And that was for a toaster. We're way worse when it comes to a job. We're way worse when it comes to moving or finding a home or relationships. In this book, The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz, he says, at some point, at some point, choices no longer liberates, but debilitates. Let that seep in for a little bit, right? At some point, choice no longer liberates, it debilitates. We like the idea of choice, but not often the experience of it. It's the grass is always greener trap. Most of us would be happy by simply picking an option that's good enough. But too many of us are trained to be maximizers, unsatisfied until we are assured that every decision was the best that could possibly be made when in reality, good enough usually is good enough. Statistically, people who pick one thing and stick with that thing are happier than people who are always on the lookout for something better, even if better exists. But often it doesn't. Those of us who are God followers, right, people who are chasing after God, have another layer of nervousness. Some of us grew up with the idea of the perfect will of God. And that's that there's one right choice that you can make and an infinite number of wrong choices. So you better choose wisely. But since the beginning, God actually introduces us to the opposite reality. He says in Genesis chapter 2, says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. It's not that there are a million wrong choices in life and only one right one. It's actually like there are a million right choices, only one or two wrong ones. Friends, the bottom line is that when we're afraid to choose the wrong thing, we sample everything, commit to nothing, and don't find fulfillment in anything. Number two, resisting specific goals robs us of our sense of progress and purpose. We say things like, man, I just, I just want to, to be healthier. Well, 
what does that what does that really mean healthier in in what ways you'll never know when you get there or not because it's so vague you have to be specific by committing to a particular destination uh, uh, and a path means I know where I'm going, where I'm trying to go. I know how I'm trying to get there. I know how if I'm moving closer or, or not. I know if I'm doing it or not doing it. That only happens when we actually get specific on our goals. But the thing is that many of us feel like, man, if we don't pick a specific thing, then we can't be held accountable for anything. If we don't say that I stand for this or I believe in that, then truth is we don't have to, no one has to pull our cards. No one has to call us out. We don't have to be accountable for it. We keep it vague because we don't want to choose something and then later realize that it was the wrong thing. We don't want to miss out on something else and we don't want to be associated with certain people who are associated with that particular thing friends we've all had moments where we didn't want to tell someone else that we're a christian because we didn't want to be associated with certain christians or have to adhere to certain expectations like if I say I'm a Christian, then I won't be able to do this or I have to talk this way or dress this way or, or do things this way. But the truth is that people who commit to nothing universally struggle to find meaning in life. People who commit to nothing universally struggle to find meaning. For example, if you have people who struggle in life Right? They typically fall into two groups. People who identify, whose identity, excuse me, whose identity was too wrapped up in their cultural expectations, asserting individuality would ostracize them. And people who have no sense of cultural expectations is the other group. They have nothing to be a part of, aspired to, believe in, and descend into meaningless apathy. This is the irony of existence, church. We don't want to be forced to live to the standards of others, but without any standards imposed on us, we have no idea who we are or what our lives are about. Because we don't want to have fun, right? Because we don't, excuse me, because we don't just want to have fun and experience warm feelings, we also want expectations to meet aspirations to seek and to honor, and honor to earn. All those things only exist in the context of community. But living in community requires us to submit to certain standards. You see, everyone wants a ride-or-die friendships. Everyone wants ride-or-die friendships, but nobody wants the restrictions that come with those relationships. Everybody wants somebody to stand with them to the end. But we don't want to be put in a box. Again, we think, man, how can I get the benefits of commitment without ever committing? The answer is, even if you could, 
it wouldn't be fulfilling. And lastly, you can't delay commitment without delaying fulfillment. And you don't have forever. You can't delay commitment without delaying fulfillment. Right? Not making a decision is a decision to live in limbo. Not making a decision is a decision to live in limbo. And limbo is exhausting and it's stressful. We hate it when other people leave us hanging and force us to live in limbo, don't you? Like, what are your plans? Like, are we going to hang out? Yeah, we're going to hang out. Where, where are we going? Don't know yet. What are we going to do? I don't know. I'll let you know. We hate when people do that to us. But we force it. We force it on ourselves all of the time. Instead of committing to an option that's in front of us, we waste our lives fantasizing about options that don't, don't even exist. And by the time we realized what we were waiting for wasn't real, well, we're, we're out of time. We've wasted our lives sampling everything and never experiencing the fulfillment of committing to anything. Church, listen, you don't get to determine the length of your days, but you get to decide the depth of them. Right? And death typically triumphs over with. Right? What happens, the context of how your day plays out is far more important than how long you have. What people wind up finding most meaningful are the noble commitments that required them to struggle, to stay the course, to exercise courage, and to count the cost. As it turns out, the thing we want most isn't ease and effortless. Contrary to what many people believe, the thing that we want most isn't ease and effortlessness. It's purpose and passion. The most powerful kinds of commitment are voluntary. The most powerful kinds of commitment are voluntary. When no one is making you, you choose to. It's less a commitment to the thing than to be the person you want to be, right? It's less a commitment to the thing than to be the person you want to be. And so what kind of commitment is most likely to make you into the person that you, that you would be proud of? What kind of commitments are out there that will kind, of, will kind of steer you into the direction of being the person that you want to be in life? Well, if you were to ask Jesus, he would say what he said in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, choose to get closer to him. Choose to spiritually grow in your relationship with him. And everything else will be added to you. In other words, prioritize your connection to Christ above everything else. Make that your goal 
for 2022. Prioritize your connection to Christ above everything else. Listen, fulfillment looks like commitment. Want to be fulfilled in life? Then step into the realm of making commitments. Make a commitment. And what's the result of committing yourself to growing spiritually, to, to you know, getting closer to Jesus, to God? It's strength. It's confidence. It's predictability and reliability. Let me wrap this up. This word commitment or to dedicate is used many times in Scripture. All through Scripture, you're going to find the word commit, commitment, to dedicate, right? And the word has two meanings. Number one, it means to make something holy, to dedicate like a memorial, right? To make something holy. And number two is to stick to something for a long time. To stick to something for a long time. And friends, I don't find this a coincidence, right? We're doing something holy when we choose to commit. We're doing something holy when we choose to commit. Another way to say it might be holiness is the constant, consistent carrying out of our commitments. Holiness is the consistent carrying out of our commitments. God is not wanting wishy-washers, flakers, uncommitted people in our, his relationship. He wants people that are committed to getting to know him, to being more like him. I think that if we're honest, we could probably all say, man, there was a season in my life in, this, in these last two years where I was kind of non-committed or non-committal in my relationship with Jesus. There was a season of maybe doubt. There was a season of fear. There was a season of worry. There was a season of, man, I'm not sure. There was a season of confusion. There was a season where, where you let the world step in between you and your relationship with God. Again, this is not about casting judgment. This is about understanding what has transpired in our walk with God. And maybe it's time that we stop looking for the other options in life and make a decision to commit, to recommit to growing in our relationship with Jesus in this new year. And maybe through that growth, God is going to speak. God is going to show us. He's going to direct our paths so that we can live a better life in 2022. So that we don't have to be swayed by the culture, by the world, and by the news. That we will stand on his word, bend our knees in prayer, Worship him in spirit and in truth and declare that he is sole authority of my life. That it is he 
who I follow. It is he who I want to draw closer to in 2022. Yeah, the world is going to be trying to throw things at you so that you can take your eyes off of him and put them on the world. But if you decide to say, man, I'm going to make a commitment to growing in 2022. It's not about being oversaved. It's not about being religious. It's about saying, Lord, nothing else matters in this world first and foremost if it's not my relationship with you. Because your word promises that if I was to seek you first, then everything else will fall into its place. My marriage, my relationship with my kids, my work, my friendships, my finances. Maybe you're thinking, okay, Pastor, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. How do I how do I keep my commitment to prioritize Christ? Well, I cannot wait to tell you, but we've run out of time. <laughs> we run out of time. You're gonna have to come back next week. And the week after that, see what I did there? Right? I'm helping you make this commitment. I'm helping you grow in 2022. Sounds like you're going to have to be here every week in this series. I'm just saying. Friends, I want to invite everyone to start here. And that is to read every day. At Southfields, we have put resources and have put investments into putting this plan together. Read every day. It started yesterday, so you got a day to catch up. You can download, <laughs> right? You can download. <laughs> you got to make a commitment here. It's going to cost you something. I didn't say it was free, right? Here's how you do it. You can go on your app, on you have a smartphone, you can download the app Bible in one year. Right, or you can go online to BibleInOneYear.org, and they have a plan already set up. Right, they have three categories that you can choose from. There's an express one for those of you who are always moving and shaking. Right, but read there; it gives you everything you need to read for the day. It gives commentary. It kind of gives you a, a, a prayer walk to work. Take the journal out, begin to jot some of these things. We, along with all of our campuses throughout uh, Southfields, are going to be starting this, and we want to encourage. It's absolutely free. It's a free download. But I cannot stress enough, I cannot encourage you enough to do this, right? Because once you know that somebody else is doing it, you almost feel like, man, I want to be able to do that. I want to read what's going on. Because guess what? They're going to be like, hey, did you read that? Did you understand that? Did, you, did God speak to you with that scripture? It's incredible. So I want you to download the app, Bible in One Year, right? It's free. You can find it on the Apple, Apple store. You can find it on the, uh, uh, um, the Android store. And just download it free. Subscribe to it. And every day, you're going to be hit with the scriptures to read, right? Some of you have more time than others, and you can read more, right? But it's all in there. It's incredible. It's really awesome. And I already did it yesterday, and I'm ready to do today's. But I want to encourage you to do that. And if you have family and friends at home and you want, you want to help them in their journey, then encourage them to do that as well. This is not a South Hills thing, but we're making it a South Hills available to all of our South Hills uh, people. Download the app today and start the plan today. Amen.